Lord of the Rings. You're going to be in LA soon too to talk about Lord Jesus. of the Rings in, in a week. one week. Oh, I just I will my be calendar. flying to LA. Like I just opened my calendar and it says Paul. Exactly one <laughs> week from now, I will be on a plane. Damn. Wait. In one week, I will be sitting in O'Hare Airport getting ready to get on a plane <laughs> to fly to... Well, yes. Yes. Because I forgot time changes when I go to L.A. Uh, <laughs> you yes. uh, time travel in one, a little bit. Yeah. In one week, I like... As I look at my life, nothing's prepared. Nothing's ready whatsoever you have one week i know i have one week but i'm like this <laughs> when i travel where i'm like oh god what if everything goes wrong the day as uh, long as you have your id or passport i have i have my driver's license okay the everything else can be bought <laughs> okay all you really need to get on a plane maybe some clothes yeah, I'm I'm bringing I'm I'm bringing clothes. <laughs> oh, Gosh, anyway, but yes, soon to be in LA in person. What a time to be alive! To make you a birthday cake to share Ooh, with Will. Red velvet. Red velvet. Hell with homemade yeah. icing. I can't wait. Homemade. Mm-hmm. Is it your like? Great, great, great grandmother's recipe. It's my grandmother's recipe, who I think she got it from like a church cookbook or something. Oh. So it was someone else's before it was ours, but now it's ours. And we won't hear otherwise. <laughs> you did not hear it here, folks. Yeah. All right. Oh. Baron and Luthien? Baron and Luthien. Baron a and love Luthien? story. Need a love story and it, yeah, silly Marillion. A really nice thing. Uh, <laughs> oh, maybe I should do the official entry first. All right. Three, two, one. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Silly Marillion. I'm looking to say Silly Marillion, where I, Paul, a lifelong Tolkien fan, introduce Tori, someone who's never read Tolkien, to the Silmarillion. Whether or not this is a good idea as an entry point, who knows, but this is where we are. Welcome, Tori. As Hello. Always. Hi, Paul. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for waking me up this early. It really... <laughs> As someone who doesn't drink coffee, this is my living hell. But... Oh, you just live off of Baja Blast? Well, what are you drinking I'm... in that glass I... that's so big and so orange? Okay, well, first off, I'm drinking this out of a beer mug because all our <laughs> other glasses are not uh, clean at the moment. Classic. Uh, but this is uh, passion fruit juice. Ooh, like okay. A, I think it's like a punch type thing. It's a little exotic over there in Illinois. I always forget where Welch's. you live. So exotic in central <laughs> Illinois. God. Uh, 
never thought I'd hear <laughs> Central Illinois be called exotic. <laughs> right now, it is exotic. <laughs> For someone in LA, it's like, ooh, how exotic Central Illinois as I look outside over just fields of corn. I was going to say, what is outside when you look out your window? Uh, other apartment buildings. <laughs> um, well, that's out that one. And then trees outside that window, like right behind me. Wow, there. Illinois is so exotic. <laughs> wow, you, yeah, you guys have trees? Cool. <laughs> Fucking California. Uh... Anyway. Uh, what yes. did we miss last time on Glee? Last time on Glee, everything went to shit. God, uh, did. Morgoth's gender reveal party? Yeah, Morgoth's gender reveal party. It, we, that's what we should have titled it. I forgot that was like a really good uh, <laughs> Oh, that would have been good. And I'm like, I'm kind of missing out. Uh, did I put it in the description? I don't think. I don't remember. Oh, I think, no, I don't think you did. Let me look at your message, what you sent me. Because I was trying to... Yes, you did put Morgoth's fiery gender reveal. Okay. Uh, I was like, it had to go somewhere, because that was... It did. That was the time. Yeah, because and Fingolfin I, going badass. Yeah, and Fingolfin just going off. Uh, running up to Morgoth and just trying to beat the crap out of him. And succeeding in some it parts. did pretty well. Did better than I would have. Yeah. You had... Uh, the human brothers Hurin and Huor finding uh, Gondolin and then yeah. having to leave to go help their people. And then uh, all that ties in to... To cats. <laughs> God. <laughs> to cats, that. the movie. That was, the last, that was last week's episode. We're not touching that. To cats That's... and pumpkin candy. Pumpkin, yeah, well, I feel like I should bring some just to be like, eat it, eat the pumpkin candy. But anyway, um, so that kind of plays into this week's episode a bit more directly with the uh, Dagor Bragolach that was last episode, Whoa, uh, okay. the Battle of Sudden Flame. Say that again. I know I made you repeat it last time, but it is yeah, such a word. <laughs> Dagor Bragolak. It really rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? It really does. Uh, there are a lot of Dagors, which is uh, elvish for battle. Oh, uh, okay. So It just sounds like you're saying dagger kind of fancy. Dagor. Dagor. It, dagor. <laughs> oh, where'd you get that purse? Oh, thank, it's, it's Dagor. <laughs> Only the exactly. finest. Um, that'll be our so, next investment a Lord of the Rings themed purse oh my shop God. <laughs> called the like, Gore the Gore God <laughs> thing is I can think of different themes of purses that we could have based uh, on the many de Gores I'm already imagining Legolas uh, modeling yeah. them all off oh my god with a little hair flip a little shoulder up. Passion. <laughs> so last time with the Dagobragalak, you remember uh, there's this hilly region called Dorthonion, which was held by the house of Beor, the humans, and uh, Angrod and Agnor 
uh, the elf princes who are the brothers of Finrod Felagund who helped find humans, yeah? Mm-hmm. So they get mostly wiped out. Uh, what rem- what people remain go on kind of like this big exodus out of Dorthonion and go to live in the forests of Brethil uh, with the Haladin. Uh, but their leader, Barahir, uh, stays behind. Barahir. Barahir. Yeah. Uh, with ten other men. I think it's ten. Sure, it's not seven. I think it might be seven. Yeah. (laughs) If I've learned anything this podcast. Twelve. He had twelve companions. Damn. Tolkien, what happened to seven? So it's kind of a Jesus situation. Oh. Um, Also with him. Apostles. uh, Also with him is his son, Baron. Oh. Baron. Baron. Got it. And they kind of live as outlaws. They have this cave they live in right next to this beautiful lake, which reflects the stars at night. And... I haven't heard about Varda in a while. How's she doing? Still vibing? Yeah, she's still vibing. But they live next to this lake called Tarn Eluin. Tarn Eluin. Mm-hmm. And it is said that Melian, the goddess woman who's living in Doriath at the moment, it said that she'd hallowed it, and it's kind of like this sacred Ooh, place. And Morgoth cool. cannot find it. Oh, he's bad. It's very house. annoying for Morgoth because they're kind of acting as like guerrilla fighters. Like mm. they're attacking his orcs and then retreating into the night, and no one knows where they go. Uh, and so he commands his deadliest servant, Sauron. Oh, to tend to the matter. And he's like, hey, Sauron, go fix this for me. And Sauron's like, oh, yes, I will do that. Um, <laughs> Sounds like a bored teenager, if I have to. Oh, okay. <laughs> Got nothing better to do, I guess. But specifically, there is a member of the uh, 12 Companions named Gorlim. Now, Gorlim had a wife named Elanel, and they were very much in love. They were very close. But when he had returned from fighting one day, he found their house destroyed and his wife missing. Oh, no. And so that's when he joined Barahir to become an outlaw, uh, because his wife was essentially taken by orcs, and he didn't know what happened to her. But he constantly thought, oh, maybe my wife is dead. Maybe she's still out there. God, have I abandoned her? Maybe I should go back. So he would constantly make this uh, constant trek back to the ruins of his old house to see if she had returned. Oh, that's sad. Uh, And he'd just kind of stand uh, there and kind of relive his memories of her. Uh, and then he'd go back. Well, sad. yeah. Well, Sauron's servants took note of this. Oh, they started yeah. noticing him coming back constantly. So one night, as he's going back, he sees a light in the house, and he sees his wife. He sees his wife pass by the window, and so he runs in, and Sauron's sitting in there waiting for him. God, and a so bunch rude. of orcs jump out and grab him and hold him down. Oh. 
they essentially start torturing him, saying, where are yeah. your friends? Where are they hiding? But he won't break. He won't tell them anything. But he's, then... He's human too, right? Gorlim? Yeah. Yes, Gorlim is human. And so the orcs start prodding him with, ooh, if you tell him where Barahir is, perhaps Sauron will give you your wife back. And so he kind they bring him back into Sauron's presence, and Sauron said, I'll read it verbatim, I hear now that thou wouldst barter with me. What is thy price? And Gorlim answered that he should find Ilanel again, and with her be set free, for he thought that Ilanel also had been made captive. Then Sauron smiled, saying, That is a small price for so great a treachery. So shall it surely be. Stay on. Now Gorlim would have drawn back, but daunted by the eyes of Sauron, he told at last all he would know. Then Sauron laughed, and he mocked Gorlim, and revealed to him that he had seen only a phantom devised by wizardry to entrap him, for Ilanel was dead. Nonetheless, I will grant your prayer, said Sauron, and thou shalt go to Ilanel and be set free of my service. Then he put him cruelly to death. Oh, no. I saw so, that coming. Yeah. Damn. It's, uh, so they kill Gorlim. It's, like, hauntingly beautiful. He's it like, is. oh, you want to be with her? I'll help you be with her. It is. Jeez. That was very rude, Sauron. Very mm-hmm. rude. And so Barahir and his companions, Sauron knows where they live now. Mm-hmm. And so he sets up an ambush to attack them while they're all asleep in the cave. But that night, Baron leaves the cave. Uh, because his father sent him to spy on the enemy. Mm. So Baron is away, and as he's kind of out on his scouting mission, he falls asleep, and he has a dream of Gorlim telling him, I fucked up, I told them where our site is, I told them where we live. Quickly, go and warn your father. This is very biblical. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so... Baron wakes up, and he runs to get back to his father in the cave, but he's too late. The orcs have already gotten them and killed them all. Dang. And as soon as he gets there, uh, he basically finds their bodies, like, strewn out beside the lake with, like, crows pecking at them. Uh, So he quickly kind of... He buries them, he mourns, and he swears vengeance because the orcs, to prove that they had killed Barahir, cut off his hand. And if you remember, Barahir has this ring that Finrod Felagund gave him. Oh, yeah. Uh, the two snakes with the emeralds. Yeah. And, yeah. So they, they cut love... off that hand and have it with the ring still on it. And they're yeah. going to bring it to Sauron to be like, hey, just bring the we ring. got him. They had to cut off the hand. Well, there orcs. It's, there's a flare. <laughs> there's a flare of uh, Unnecessary. <laughs> a showmanship. <laughs> so now they have the ring. Now they have the ring. The ring. Uh, and so Baron is like, that's bullshit. That's my dad's hand. So I'm going to go get that. <laughs> so he pursues the uh, orcs and basically kills them all. Uh, no, he doesn't kill them all. 
Uh, but in the middle of the night, he like jumps from behind a rock and kills their captain, mm-hmm. takes the hand and runs off with it. And the orcs okay. are just like, ah, ah, ah. And then uh, he buries the hand, but he keeps the ring. And then he stays in Dorthonion for, I believe, four more years, personally harassing all the orcs that are passing through. He kind of becomes like the Rambo of Middle-earth. That sounds kind of lonely, though. Yeah, he just starts causing all this fucking trouble for him. (laughs) And, uh, like word spreads like everyone starts hearing about this one guy who's staying in Dorthonion and just killing a bunch of uh creatures and Sauron starts throwing all the things he has at Baron uh yeah. like orcs fell beasts uh dreadful sp- uh werewolves uh oh, he brings know. werewolves did i know there were werewolves uh they're not like our werewolves where it's like a guy changes into a wolf instead they're like fell spirits who inhabit a wolf's body okay so they're like in wolf form yes uh he kind of goes a little bit disney princess as well (laughs) for it also says but he became the friend of birds and beasts and they aided him and did not betray him so he wasn't as lonely he was vibing with all the yeah he was snow white in his way through everything (laughs) Just like, oh, and then just a bunch of birds. Now. It's like that one, I think it's like Shrek the Third or something. When like the princesses attack a castle with like their singing. Getting know. deep into Shrek lore. Shrek lore. <laughs> Shrek Marillion. <laughs> but eventually the land becomes so inhospitable to him. Like all his bird and beast friends have fled by now. Hmm. that he can't stay around. So he flees south through uh, Gorgoroth, the Mountains of Terror. And uh, that's where Ungoliant the Spider Queen, oh. she died. Uh, it's the place where like everything is like dangerous. Right. There are creepy spider monsters in there. And if you drink the water there, you go insane. And so he's just going to... So he's going to run through okay. those. Yeah, he's just running. He's it's like in the fucking SpongeBob, like Patrick. The only way to get out is through the perfume aisle, and there's like all this spraying perfume at him. And Baron's like, "Oh, oh God!" But uh, why is that so true? Yeah, it's and like the fact that Tolkien even says like he went through so much shit that I can't even write it down here. He's like he went on so many dark adventures that they can't all be recorded. Poor and guy's because be a therapist. Yeah, and because Baron has such PTSD that he refuses to recall what happened. Yeah. Back then. Ugh. And so somehow he manages to uh let me read it. Terrible was his southward journey. Sheer were the precipices of Ered Gorgoroth, and beneath their feet were shadows that were laid before the rising of the moon. Beyond lay the wilderness of Dungortheb, where the sorcery of Sauron and the power of Melian came together, and horror and madness walked. There spiders of the fell race of Ungoliant abode, spinning their unseen webs in which all living things were snared, and monsters wandered there that were born in the long dark before the sun, hunting silently with many eyes. No food for elves or men was there in that haunted land, but death only. 
That journey is not accounted least among the great deeds of Baron, but he spoke of it to no one after, lest the horror return into his mind. And, and none now know how he found a way, and so came by paths that no man or elf el else ever dared to tread to the borders of Doriath. And he passed through the mazes that Melian wove about the kingdom of Thingol, even as she had foretold, for a great doom lay on him. So, it's destiny itself that allows him to survive all this. Yeah, that's And even intense. get into Doriath through, like, this winding enchantment maze that Melian has set up. Did it allude at all to how long it took him to cross that? No. I think at least a year. <laughs> no big D. No big D. Just a year. Baron is really making a name for himself. He really is. Uh, and, however, by the time he gets there, uh, he gets into Doriath, he's insane. He's like a wild you know, creature running wild in the woods. He kind of has the past like five years now. Looking rough. Yeah. <laughs> he probably hasn't talked to anyone in five years either. Yeah. <laughs> Poor lad. Poor guy. And as he's wandering through the woods of Doriath, this massive forest, uh, he comes across the most beautiful thing he has ever seen. Ooh. He comes across Luthien. Oh. The daughter of Thingol the king, and Melian, his goddess wife. Goddess wife. <laughs> and she's dancing on the grass in the middle of the forest, because this is her dad's forest. She's safe here. Yeah. And he forgets everything. He's just focused on her. Mm. Uh, let me read out what, he, what she looks like. Blue was her raiment as the unclouded heaven, but her eyes were gray as the starlit evening. Her mantle was sewn with golden flowers, but her hair was dark as the shadows of twilight. As the light upon the leaves of trees, as the voice of clear waters, as the stars above the mists of the world, such was her glory and her loveliness, and in her face was a shining light. And this is supposed to kind of be like Tolkien's wife, right? Yes. Uh, because uh, I believe it's like written somewhere that when they were young, they like write, I think it was like, I can't, I, I don't, I forget if it was like right before he went off to fight in World War One mm. or afterwards, but they went on a picnic to a meadow and she was just kind of dancing among the trees, Aww. like, and he, this just kind of stuck in his head. Yeah. And he wrote her in in um the actual Lord of the Rings books, Aragorn sings a song, uh that's like a poem about Luthien dancing and Baron falling in love with her. Ooh, and that's, that's kind so of a yeah, as kind of like a love letter from Tolkien to his yeah. wife. Uh and on their graves next to each other, it has Luthien in quotes under her name and Baron no under way. his. Yes. Whoa. If you look up their uh, gravestones. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so romantic. I just got chills. It is very romantic. Wow, Tolkien. So cute. 
However, as he's watching her, she kind of vanishes from view, almost like those like stories of like you see a fairy in the woods and you chase after them and then they vanish yeah. from sight and you're lost. Um, That's also how and, sirens pull in <laughs> pirates, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, and he kind of runs after her and she vanishes from his sight. And he calls out and he calls her uh, Tenuviel, which is uh, which means Nightingale, the yeah. daughter of Twilight in the Great Elven Tongue, because he doesn't know her name. So he just comes up with a name to refer to her, and he just <laughs> thinks, oh, Nightingale, because she's so beautiful and she's the daughter of Twilight, and it, it fits. It's perfect. Yeah. And then he sees her in the distance on another wooded hill. Uh, dancing, so he runs after her and she constantly eludes him. The chase. And he follows her for, I think, about a year. A year. Yeah, a year. <laughs> this guy Remember, has all the well, time in his hands. Because where else is he going to fucking go? <laughs> True. And so he's just... But he's human, so he's not... He doesn't live as long as the rest of them. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, she's immor- like the immortal elf goddess yeah. daughter. So she has a year to waste. This guy, yeah. it's, it's been six years now since he's been. Yeah, like, um, yeah, he finds her in the summer. And he, when I uh, met you in the summer. And he keeps following. Uh, gosh, I don't even know what that song is. Uh, Calvin Harris, I think. Calvin Harris. DJ and song? I think I, I'm fairly certain you and I just have different musical tastes <laughs> entirely. True. I'm it's like, right. uh, what musical score is that from? What what movie <laughs> score is that from? Uh, but uh, yeah, he follows her, and then like in the autumn, he's still looking for her. Uh, all the way up till spring, that he finally sees her again. Uh, well, he const- he constantly keeps seeing her in the distance, and so he keeps pursuing her. This is the longest chase. And when the spring comes, she starts singing, and the forest seems to come alive after winter with her singing, mm. with like the waters beginning to flow, uh, flowers opening up wherever she like passes her feet, and uh. Finally, like, the spell of dumbness falls from Baron, and he calls out to her again. And then she stops and doesn't run anymore, and she looks at him. Uh, let me read it out. Then she halted in wonder and fled no more, and Baron came to her. But as she looked on him, doom fell upon her, and she loved him. Yet she slipped from his arms and vanished from his sight, even as the day was breaking. Then Baron lay upon the ground in a swoon, as one slain at once by bliss and grief. And he fell into a sleep, as it were into an abyss of shadow. And waking, he was cold as stone, and his heart barren and forsaken. And wandering in mind, he groped as one that is stricken with sudden blindness, and seeks with hands to grasp the vanished light. Thus he began the payment of anguish for the fate that was laid on him. And in his fate Luthien was caught, and being immortal she shared in his mortality, and being free received his chain. And her anguish was greater than any other of the elf women has known. Because humans and elves aren't really supposed to be together like that. Yeah. And so Did they kind I of pay... Did I hear that right, where she gave him 
immortality? No, she gives up her immortality to be with him. Up, damn. Yes. She becomes mortal. Dang, and also, <laughs> doom fell upon her. Was, and then followed with she fell in love. Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> is like, this is like the doom, her doom, where it's her doom is to be in love with someone who will, who isn't immortal as well so she must make a choice oh yeah (laughs) um who is a human man wow and so eventually she comes back to him after that moment and they are so happy together and they just walk amongst the trees and forests from spring until summer wow however there is this one elf named daron who is the uh, bard, basically, of King Thingol. <laughs> and oh, he's Aaron. in love with Luthien as well. Oh. Uh, but he sees her meeting with Baron. Wait, sorry. Who, who is he again? Is he an elf? He's an elf. Daron is an elf bard who is like the minstrel to her father. Gotcha. And he uh, quickly goes to tell King Thingol... Uh, Thingol does not like humans. He does not trust humans. And the fact that his daughter, who is like the light of his life, he puts like Luthien up on this pedestal. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. he doesn't even let humans into his kingdom. Does he have a reason for not liking humans? Uh, he simply just does not trust them. Yeah. Uh, he eh, finds I don't them... either. <laughs> He's racist. Let's just leave it there. <laughs> Great. I mean, it is kind of... That's kind of an allegory for that. Yeah. Well, he summons Luthien to him, and Baron stays hidden. And she refuses to tell her father anything until he swears an oath to her that he would neither slay Baron nor imprison him. But, uh, Thingol's like, yeah, sure. In the meantime, Thingol has already sent out his men to get Baron and bring him to him as as a criminal. I just thought of the stupidest comparison. Of this love story. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> so what I'm hearing is uh, Baron and Luthien is Edward and <laughs> Don't fucking say what's it. her Kristen Stewart Bella. <laughs> fucking hell. And Darren is sad boy um, Taylor Lautner. What's it? What's his character's name man twilight lore come to me jacob jacob hurts that i knew that answer before <laughs> it, and i wasn't gonna say it it's love that's not supposed to happen and jacob's love. like you could be with me and it could be fine but luthien's like no i'm in love <laughs> with this vampire but he's kinda human it kind of makes sense yeah. Anyway, I had to I had to release that statement because I was chuckling to myself. Good God. <laughs> Anywho, uh, they basically capture Baron and bring him before Thingol, but like Luthien tells the guards, like, no, I'll handle this. So she just kind of takes him by the hand and brings him before Thingol, almost as if he were an honored guest, <laughs> rather than the criminal Thingol sees him as. Cute. And I'll just read out some of the conversation. 
Then Thingol looked upon Baron in scorn and anger, but his wife Melian was silent. Who are you, said the king, that come hither as a thief and unbidden dare to approach my throne? But Baron, fe being filled with dread, for the splendor of Menegroth and the majesty of Thingol were very great, answered nothing. Therefore Luthien spoke and said, He is Baron, son of Barahir, lord of men, mighty foe of Morgoth, the tale of whose deeds has become a song even among the elves. Let Baron speak, said Thingol. Why would you hear, unhappy mortal? And for what cause have you left your own land to enter this, which is forbidden to such as you? Can you show reason why my power should not be laid on you in heavy punishment for your insolence and folly? Then Baron, looking up, beheld the eyes of Luthien, and his glance went also to the face of Melian, and it seemed to him that words were put into his mouth. Fear left him, and the pride of the eldest house of men returned to him, and he said, My fate, O king, led me hither, through perils such as few even of the elves would dare. And here I have found what I sought, not indeed, but finding I would possess forever. For it is above all gold and silver and beyond all jewels. Neither rock nor steel nor the fires of Morgoth, nor all the powers of the elf kingdoms, shall keep me from the treasure that I desire. For Luthien your daughter is the fairest of all the children of the world. Then silence fell upon the hall, for those, there, uh, for those that stood there were astonished and afraid, and they thought that Baron would be slain. But Thingol spoke slowly, saying, Death you have earned with these words, and death you should find suddenly had I not sworn an oath in haste, of which I repent, base-born mortal, who in the realm of Morgoth has learned to creep in secret as his spies and thralls. Then Baron answered, Death you can give me earned or unearned, but the names I will not take from you of base-born, nor spy, nor thrall. By the ring of Felagund that he gave to Barahir my father on the battlefield of the north, my house has not earned such names from any elf, be he king or no. Damn. Strong words there. And with that, he kind of raises his hand and shows off the ring, and all the elves are like, oh, yes. oh, wow, oh. And Melian leans in to her husband's side and said, uh, tells him, don't get... Don't get stupid pissed, okay? Don't get stupid pissed. <laughs> Does he know? She said, for not by you, she said, shall Baron be slain. And far and free does his fate lead him in the end. Yet it is, wo yet it is wound with yours. Take heed. Mm. She Smart can, lady. She can kind of see the future as well. Oh, cool. Raven Simone. <laughs> he, uh, Pops doesn't know that Luthien gave up her immortality yet? Nope. Does he know that? Damn, he's yeah. gonna get double pissed. He doesn't he doesn't know Baron popped her mortality, Cherry. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Triple pissed. Triple pissed. <laughs> oh what? <no. laughs> I just want like like Thingol like sitting down with her and he's like, men only want one thing. Mortality. <laughs> they just want your mortality. Uh, and uh, why I'm buy the need... cow if you already got the milk? Am I right? <laughs> uh, one of our nice uh, boy. listeners who's really good at drawing, if you want to do a little cartoon strip of that moment, <laughs> if you feel so of... inspired. Have you seen the 
I think it's Starkid's musical or something, uh, Twisted, the true story of Jafar. No. Oh, it's I've only hilarious. Seen a Harry Potter musical. It is. It is basically those same people, but like they'd taken Jafar and made it like wicked. <laughs> so like Jafar is actually this good guy who's trying to do his best yeah. for the kingdom. He's sitting down with the pres- uh, with the princess, and he's like, "Beware, boys who whip out their songs. A song is often a prelude to a dick." <laughs> Uh, not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Thingol, uh, he's quiet for a moment, but he thought in his heart, unhappy men, children of little lords and brief kings, shall such as these lay hands on my daughter and yet live? But then he kind of says out loud, I see the ring, son of Bear here, and I perceive that you are proud and deem yourself mighty. But a father's deeds, even had his service been re- uh, been rendered to me, avail not to win the daughter of Thingol and Melian. See now, I too desire a treasure that is withheld. For rock and steel and the fires of Morgoth keep the jewel that I would possess against all the powers of the elf kingdoms. I hear you say that bonds such as these do not daunt you. Go your way, therefore. Bring to me in your hand a Silmaril oh from God. Morgoth's crown. And then if what? she will... Luthien may set her hand in yours. Then you shall have my jewel, and though the fate of Arda lie within the Silmarils, you shall hold me generous. <laughs> so Thingol's like, fine, you want my daughter? Well, she's the jewel of my life. Yeah. If you can bring to me one of the jewels from fucking Satan's crown... Fair trade, fair trade. <laughs> I will let you marry my daughter. Jesus. I forgot about this, the Silmarils for a hot minute. Yeah, you forgot <laughs> Morgoth still has them. Yeah. Um, but in this moment, Thingol fucks everything up. Why? Because the doom of Mandos, which was placed on the Noldor, it's attached to the Silmarils. Oh. Because remember, the Sons of Feanor have sworn that they will kill anyone who has a Silmaril and does not give it to them. Oh, dang. So Thingol, by saying, bring me a Silmaril that I might have it, yeah, is essentially going to be putting a target on his back mm. for the Sons of Feanor to go after him. Declaring war. Yeah. But everyone is kind of aware now that they're like, oh my god, Thingol's trying to kill this poor son of a bitch. <laughs> like, Basically, yeah, he's like, here, go walk off this cliff. It's very poetic, though. Like, you have my jewel. Yeah, and... Go get me this jewel. And we'll call it even. Well, not even even. He's like, and you will find me generous because you will love my daughter more than any jewel possibly ever could. But, uh, and, like, everyone's like, oh, shit. Like, no, this guy's gonna die. Uh, But Baron laughs and says, for little price, he said, do elven kings sell their daughters for gems and things made by craft? Oh, hey. But if this is your will, Thingol, I will perform it. And when we meet again, my hand will hold a Silmaril from the Iron Crown. For you have not looked the last upon Baron, son of Barahir. Then he looked in the eyes of Meliant, who spoke not. And he bared, bade farewell to Luthien Tenuviel, and bowed before Thingol and Melian. He put aside the guards about him and departed from Menegroth alone. Then, at last, Melian spoke, and she said to Thingol, 
O king, you have devised cunning counsel. But if my eyes have not lost their sight, it is ill for you, whether Baron fail in his errand or achieve it. For you have doomed either your daughter or yourself. And now is Doriath drawn within the fate of a mightier realm. But Thingol answered, I sell not to elves or men those who I love and cherish above all treasure. And if there were hope or fear that Baron should ever come back alive to Menegroth, he should not have looked again upon the light of heaven, though I had sworn it. But Luthien was silent, and from that hour she sang not again in Doriath. A brooding silence fell upon the woods, and the shadows lengthened in the kingdom of Thingol. So, Baron's like, I am going to get this jewel, you stupid bitch, because I love, I love your daughter. The things oh, we do for is true like, love. Like, oh, fuck, what's the song where it's like, I'm gonna marry her anyway. Marry uh, yeah. Why you gotta be Why so you gotta rude? Be so rude? Yeah, it's basically, it's Baron singing that to Thingol. But also uh... like, fuck you, man. I'm gonna get your fucking jewel. Son of a bitch. Um, that was low-key me to Steph's mom. <laughs> Sorry, oh, I'm going to marry her anyway. <laughs> do it. I will. Hopefully soon. Hopefully COVID. Soon. Anyway. <laughs> set up a Zoom for me to join in at the <laughs> wedding. Be like, oh. We'll set up a laptop. <laughs> my, my podcasting buddy is finally <laughs> getting married. We'll stream it on Discord for Ola Tolkien Tuesday. <laughs> Oh my god. Just one laptop like in the front row. Yeah, just like (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Uh and so Baron's like shit. (laughs) After he like leaves, he's like, ha ha and then he's like, fuck, how am I gonna do this? Yeah. How are you gonna do it, Baron? He looks down at his ring and remembers. That Finrod told his father, if anyone brings this ring to me, I am obligated to help them. Yeah, help him with anything? Oh, he made his promise, okay? Jeez. This is why you don't make blanket promises, people. <laughs> you add stipulations. <laughs> so, Baron heads west towards uh, the guarded plains of Nargothrond, which, if you recall, are... It's kind of like how Gondolin is, where like the actual city is kept secret, but the land around it is essentially kept under secret watch. Like there are these secret watchtowers, and if like any orcs are caught trespassing, they're quickly shot, and like their bodies are dragged away. So like there's no evidence that they were there anyway. Nice. How does Baron know where to go? Uh, because everyone knows generally where. Like this, it this place is generally known as the place where Finrod is, but like no one has a specific location. They just mm-hmm. know in this area, if like people trespass in there, they get shot. Yeah. But Baron kind <laughs> of walks know. in there holding the ring aloft and being like, "Hey, don't shoot me! My name is Baron, son of Barahir. Take me to the king. I am." I'm just not imagining North. them in the trees, like squinting, trying to see why this. Lunatic club binoculars. Yeah. Like, who the fuck is this guy? Why is he holding his hand up like that? But they recognize the ring. And so they kind of the hunters like kind of waylay him and command him to halt. And they take him to Nargothrond. And so 
uh, Baron comes before King Finrod, but of course Finrod fucking loves humans. Finrod's always hype about humans. <laughs> and he recognizes his ring. He's like, oh shit, you're the son of that guy who saved my life. Come on, come on, bring it in, bring it in. And he's a... Uh, Homecoming barbecue already prepared. Mm-hmm. But uh, Baron like tells him his story and it moves Finrod. And Finrod's like, you have whatever help I can give you. Damn. Uh, but he spoke Here we go then. Again after the Silmarils. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and he spoke to Baron in heaviness of heart. It is plain that Thingol desires your death, but it seems that this doom goes beyond his purpose, and that the oath of Feanor is again at work. For the Silmarils are cursed with an oath of hate of hatred, and he that even names them in desire moves a great power from slumber. And the sons of Feanor would lay all the elf kingdoms in ruin, rather than suffer any other than themselves to win or possess a Silmaril, for the oath drives them. And now two sons of Feanor, Kelegorm and Curufin, are dwelling in my halls. And though I, Finarfin's son, am king, they have won a strong power in the realm, and lead many of their own people. Oh snap, elf politics. They have, uh, they have shown friendship to me in every need, but I fear that they will show neither love nor mercy to you if your quest be told to them. Yet my own oath holds, and thus we are all ensnared. And so uh, Finrod goes before his own people and recalls the deeds of uh, Barahir, Baron's father. He declared that it was his duty to help Baron in whatever his need. But the sons of Feanor, Kelgorm and Kurufin, are sitting around here. And Caligorm arose amid the, throne, uh, amid the throng, and drawing his sword, he cried, Be he friend or foe, whether demon or Morgoth of Morgoth or elf or a child of men, or any other living thing in Arda, neither law nor love nor league of hell, nor might of the Valar, nor any power of wizardry, shall defend him from the pursuing hatred of Feanor's sons, if he take or find a Silmaril and keep it. For the Silmarils we alone claim until the world ends. So he basically stands yeah. up and he goes, he's not gonna, he, if, he get, if he takes that Silmaril, he, br- he better bring it to fucking us. Or we're gonna go after his ass and kill him. Well, Baron's stuck between a rock and a hard place. Mm-hmm. And so him and his brother Kurufin start like spreading these stories of how if Finrod helps this human claim a Silmaril, They'll, it'll bring destruction on Nargothrond, and all the elves start to listen to this, and they start listening to the Sons of or rather than to Finrod, mm. and they become fearful of leaving their borders, and so uh, Nargothrond becomes even more locked down for many years to come because of this. And they start to say, oh, why is Finrod our king? Like, wasn't it Feanor and his sons that led us out of Valinor in the first place? Wasn't Finrod near the back of the van? Why is he leading us at all? And so, the curse of Mandos kind of weaves its way into Nargothrond now, uh, with Mm. people, like, ignoring Finrod. Mm. And Finrod, seeing that he was forsaken took from his head the silver crown of Nargothrond and cast it at his feet, saying, Your oaths of faith to me you may break, but I must hold my bond. 
Yet if there be any on whom the shadow of our curse has not yet fallen, I should find at least a few to f follow me, and should not go hence as a beggar that is thrust from the gates. There were ten that stood by him, and the chief of them, whose name was Edrahil, stooped, stooping, lifted the crown, and asked that it be given to a steward until Feligun's return. For you remain my king and theirs, he said, whatever betide. Then Feligund gave the crown of Nargothrond to Orodreth, his brother, to govern in his stead. And Caligorm and Krufin said nothing, but they smiled and went from the halls. So essentially, uh, Finrod takes his crown and throws it on the ground. He's yeah. like, you all swore oaths of loyalty to me. And fine, you want to break them? That's your affair. But I swore an oath of loyalty to this guy's dad, and I am not breaking mine. Damn, and then what a ten, ten faithful elves stand up next to him, and they're like, we're going with you. Oh, cute little fellowship we got there. Yeah, it's a, it's a little a fellowship of twelve. Yeah. Um, wow. Then, uh, on an evening of autumn, Finrod, Baron, and their companions leave Nargothrond, and they journey north towards the Pass of Sirion, which is one of the few ways to get towards uh, Morgoth's home of Angband. Mm. However, by now, there is a fortress in the middle of the river Sirion called, uh, that was called Minas Tirith, uh, but is now called um, uh, Tol and Gaurhoth, which I believe means the Island of Werewolves. Uh, and Sauron has kind of set up his forward command center there. That's where oh, Sauron, yeah. that's his base of operations. And he guards this entire veil. Um, but uh, Feligund uses his magic to basically disguise him and his companions as uh, orcs. Ooh, clever. To kind of travel along. Yeah. However, Sauron's in his tower keeping an eye on things. And he sees this band of orcs and he's like, I don't recall sending out a band of orcs. <laughs> uh, who are these guys? And so he sends, uh, he sends more orcs to waylay them and has <laughs> them brought before him. And so he's, he's like, something's not right about these guys. My, my magic senses are tingling. <laughs> and there's actually a poem written about this entire encounter between Finrod and Sauron. What? Because, remember, song is the magic of Middle-earth. Yeah. So... Finrod and Sauron essentially have a rap battle. Oh, heck yeah. And Epic rap poem, battles of history. Yeah, this poem basically describes it. He chanted a song of wizardry, of piercing, opening, of treachery, revealing, uncovering, betraying. Then sudden, Feligund their swain sang in answer a song of staying, resisting, battling against power, of secrets kept, Strength like a tower, and trust unbroken, freedom, escape, of changing and of shifting shape, of snares eluded, broken traps, the prison opening, the chain that snaps. Backwards and forwards swayed their song, reeling and foundering as ever more strong. The chanting swelled, Feligund fought, and all the magic and might he brought, of elvenness into his words. Softly in the gloom they heard the birds, singing afar in Nargothrond, the sighing of the sea beyond, beyond the western world on sand, on sand of pearls in elven land. 
Then the gloom gathered, darkness growing. In Valinor, the, blood re the red blood flowing. Beside the sea, where the Noldor slew, the foam riders and stealing drew their white ships with their white sails. From lamplit havens, the wind wails, the wolf howls, the ravens flee, the ice mutters in the mouths of the sea. The captives sad in Angband mourn, thunder rumbles, the fires burn, and Finrod fell before the throne. So, Whoa. in the end, Sauron's song overpowers Finrod's, Dang. and he strips away their disguises, and they stand before him, like, naked, naked to afraid. his eye. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but even though their true forms are revealed, Sauron still doesn't know who these people actually mm. are. So he has them thrown into a dark pit. And from time to... Uh, and it says... Uh, he casts them, therefore, into a deep pit, dark and silent, and threatened to slay them cruelly, unless one would betray the truth to him. From time to time, they saw two eyes kindled in the dark. And a werewolf devoured one of the companions. Oh, God. But none of them betrayed who they were. Wow. That is and some loyalty. So, yeah. And also, you kind of see how in that poem, you see how Finrod falls. Because Finrod is calling on all these memories of the West and like how beautiful it was to live in Valinor. Mm -hmm. And he's calling on like all elvenness into his words. And then Sauron twists that in his song with bringing to mind, oh yes, the West, where you and a bunch of your people killed other elves mm. to steal their ships and turn like, the waters red with their innocent blood. Yeah. And that's what makes Finrod's song falter and eventually him to lose. Whoa. That's cool. I like yeah, that, Jimmy. Uh, I'll send you... Someone actually oh. made music for it uh, someone actually set it to song uh, it, it's a uh, a group called Clamavi de Profundis uh, they do a lot of like sacred music but they also do a lot of Lord of the Rings music mm. uh, so I'll send you the link but they are very good for listeners who are hearing about it uh, definitely think about seeing it <laughs> um, I could put it in the little description so they could click on it. Exactly. I need the uh, the epic rap battles of history people to do this. I'd love to see oh, wow. it. Finrod, <laughs> <Finrad>, begin! <laughs> God, it really is. What does your Silmarillion look like? Hold it up to the camera. Okay. God, it really does look like a textbook. Is that the book really... you just read? Yeah, that this is the poem ah. that we just read, and uh, I like this one because it also has illustrations. Ooh! Like here's uh that star starry oh, that's lake. So pretty. Yeah, oh, man, there's a lot to cover. Baron and Luthien. So, as soon as Sauron throws Baron into this dark pit with Finrod and all the others, Baron has been through so much shit. Luthien has like, oh, I feel a disturbance in the force. <laughs> and uh, she decides I'm going to run away from home and go save my boyfriend. Mm. Uh, and she 
goes to Daron, that elf who's in love with her, and asks for his help. Jacob? Yep. <laughs> uh, and he betrays Which her Bella to the king. Which Bella does in Twilight. And he goes to tell uh, her father, hey, your daughter's trying to go after that guy you hate. God, and Jacob did tell Charlie that. Just, I wouldn't know. Twilight. Have you not seen Twilight? Or do you not yes, remember Twilight? Tori. You I haven't seen have Twilight? Not... Do I look like someone who's <laughs> like, oh boy, Twilight. Okay. You've seen the B movie. <laughs> why don't you just air all my dirty laundry out? Why don't you? Yes, I've and seen it... the B. Yes, I've seen the B movie. I feel like if you've seen the B movie, you've seen Shrek three. Twilight is not that far of a. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh you gobbled your last goo. Okay, listen here, Tori. There is a distinct difference between children's animated movies <laughs> and Twilight. Look, if we're just talking about silly movies, it is just something I feel like you should have. We're gonna we're gonna have a Twilight night. No, we're not. We're we really are. not. We are. <laughs> this is gonna have to be forced. You and Steph are gonna have to like duct tape me to the fucking. Steph couch. would be happy to. She loves watching Twilight. Please. <laughs> Granted, all right. Just put like a beer in my hand then, and I'll be It'll like, be I will riff it so hard. It'll be. That's all I do. It's fine. Okay. Well then, we'll <laughs> chalk that under a maybe. That it's gonna happen. Anyway, I'll just keep making these references and you won't know how brilliant they are. But some of some of our listeners will. Good for them. They'll appreciate. <laughs> anyway, so uh Jacob goes and tells Charlie that Bella is leaving. Got it. And so Thingal builds a treehouse in the biggest tree in the forest. And locks her in there. Oh, wow. Now we have a Rapunzel situation. He's really winning down of the year. And, like, they keep her there. Like, they get they send her food and stuff, but they keep her Dang. there. So, she essentially... She's an incredible singer herself, like Finrod. <laughs> Input... Fucking Willem Dafoe Spider-Man meme. Spider-Man meme. I'm a bit of a singer myself. <laughs> um, and she sings a song of enchantment that makes her hair grow. It is. And <laughs> Rapunzel's her way out of that shit. You're not pulling my legs. This really happened. No, she really does. She I just, sings a I song just that makes her hair Rapunzel grow. And it really turns into yeah. Rapunzel. Got it. She sings her song that makes her hair grow and turns it into a rope and then climbs down. <laughs> Cue the tangled when life begins. She runs east and follows Baron's trail to Nargothrond. Now, by this time, Caligorm and Kurufin are kind of in charge of Nargothrond now. Mm. And they are out hunting on the plains when uh, there is this massive dog named Huan, who is a hound of Valinor. And He's a huge dog, and he follows Caligorm. But he, uh, he smells uh, Luthien and goes to her and leads Caligorm and Kruvin to her. It's so Twilight. And he brings like them uh, together. And when Luthien learns that these are princes of the Noldor and enemies of Morgash, he's like, oh, thank God. 
And then she tells them uh, her mission and stuff. Uh, and so, but like so beautiful is her, uh, is her look that Caligorm is enamored by her. Oh, man. And said, hey, if you return to Nargothrond with us, we'll give you all the help you need. But he doesn't reveal that he knows who Baron is and that he knows what their quest is. Oh. So they return to Nargothrond and they quickly lock her up. God, she just... Now she's like a Princess Peach at this point. <laughs> and they are hoping to make Thingol give Luthien's hand to Caligorm. And God. thus have like a political alliance and become yeah. like a stronger power. And like Ordodreth, who like Finrod's like, he's the king now. He kind of has no power at the moment because everyone's enamored by the sons of Feanor. Mm. Um, however, Kuan the dog is true of heart. And he goes at night to uh, sit outside Luthien's cell to listen to her sing and talk about Baron. Oh, what a good puppy. And uh, he would also kind of lay in front of her door to keep guard on her because he's Aww. like, something's not right. Some evil is in Nargothron. So he lies mm -hmm. in front of her door and keeps her safe. Um, and so uh, he plans a... Uh, he plans an escape for her. The dog does. Um... And it was foretold that Huan the Hound would speak only three times. And this first time that he's allowed to speak, he, it, he basically tells Luthien his plan of escape. Uh. And so then they flee together out secret ways of Nargothrond, and she basically rides him. She like gets on his back, and he runs, and he takes them north to... Uh, where Baron and Finrod are being held. Uh, by now, all their companions have been eaten by the werewolf who comes at night to oh, snack on them. So who's left? Uh, just Baron and Finrod. Dang. And Sauron is like, okay, well, that human's next because he's probably a nobody. And whoever this elf guy is, he's a powerful singer, and I definitely want to know who this guy is. Yeah. So he sends the werewolf... But Felagun basically grapples with the werewolf and wrestles it. Uh, eventually uh, manages to slay it with his bare hands and teeth. Oh, man. Uh, but he's mortally wounded. And he finally says to Baron, I go now to my long rest in the timeless halls beyond the seas and the mountains of Amon. It will be long ere I am seen among the Noldor again, and it may be that we will not meet a second time in death or life. For the fates of our kindreds are apart. Farewell. And then he dies in Baron's arms. Oh, wow. And so, and Baron kind of mourns in despair for the loss of his friend. Jeez. Uh, but in that time, Luthien arrives at the great bridge that goes to this island in the river. And uh, she starts singing. And Baron hears the song. Mm. Uh, but he thought he was dreaming of when he first met Luthien. And so he doesn't respond. Oh, no. Uh, all strength leaves him, and he kind of faints. Uh, but not before he's able to sing back. Uh, mm -hmm. He does sing back, actually, yes. 
and then then he falls unconscious. But Luthien hears him, much like Sam hears Frodo singing in oh, the tower. Cute. Luthien hears Baron sing and a song in response. With, uh, what's his face in Mythros? Yes, and Fingon and My- Mythros, yes. Yeah. Kill. Um, and so, but uh, Sauron also hears oh, no. <laughs> the music. And he smiles because he recognizes her voice as the daughter of Melian. He's like, only the daughter of Melian could have a voice like that. Oh, it's God. beautiful. Sauron, mind your own business. And he's like, oh, man, if I kidnap her and bring her to Morgoth as a prize, I'm going to be so rewarded for that. <laughs> so he sends a wolf to the bridge but, uh, to capture her, but Huan slays it silently. And so Sauron keeps sending these wolves because none keep coming back. And Huan keeps grabbing them by the throat and silencing them. Whoa. Uh and then finally, Sauron sends Draugluin, who is a dread beast, old and evil, lord and sire of the werewolves of Angband. He's like the grandpappy of the werewolves. Grandpappy. <laughs> uh, and he and Huan fight, but Huan is much stronger. And he wounds Draugluin, and he flees back right before uh, he gets to Sauron's feet, and he says, Huan is here, and then he dies. And Sauron, he knows that there's a prophecy that Huan will not die until he faces the greatest wolf of the age. Oh. And so Sauron's like, maybe I'm the greatest wolf in the age. So he shapeshifts into a wolf. Oh my god. <laughs> and he, uh... Like how he... Sauron's like, is it me? It might be me. It's probably me. Let me be a wolf for a hot sec. Mm-hmm. And he comes forward, and so terrible was his, uh, kind of darkness when he first appears, that Huan kind of jumps aside, like in that kind of scared dog way. And uh, Sauron leaps at Luthien. Uh, but Luthien um, uh, throws her veil, uh, her cloak over his eyes, and he stumbles. And mm. a bit of drowsiness falls over him, because her cloak is enchanted. Oh. And then Huan springs, and... Uh, like they fight, and finally Huan kind of grabs Sauron by the throat, and uh, but Sauron keeps trying to shift his shape, but the way Huan has him in his in his grip, like no matter what, it's always around his throat, yeah. so he Hell can't yeah. escape. And uh, Luthien cool. said he would be stripped of his raiment of flesh, and his ghost sent quaking back to Morgoth, unless. Uh, he basically yields to her the control of the island. Mm. And finally, uh, he yields himself, and she took mastery of it. And Huan releases him, and he turns into this massive bat and flies away. Oh. Uh, wounded. Dang. And uh, Luthien declares her power that Sauron gave her over the island, and the great fortress that was there kind of like starts to crumble and fall nice. apart. And the great pit is revealed. And Baron is in there, laying over the body of Finrod, unconscious. God. But Luthien comes in and thinks he's dead. Oh, no. And she starts to weep. But then Baron uh, wakes up and to the sound of her weeping. And they rejoice to be together. Okay, and good. I didn't want a Romeo and Juliet situation. No, they don't, they don't <laughs> Romeo and Juliet. Anymore. God. Uh, 
and then they finally take the body of Finrod Feligand and bury it and kind of give him the respect he deserves. And that's where we'll end for today. As they bury their friend. Wow. How do you spell Huan? Huan. H-U-A-N. Kind of close. Kind of (laughs) not. Wow. Oh, this is a good chapter. This is fun. It really is. I can't wait to show you Twilight so you could oh, see no. how, how similar all the comparisons. It'll, I have my bright spot of watching like Lord of the Rings with all you guys. And mm-hmm. then like there's like that creeping feeling of, <laughs> oh God, I'm going to have to watch Twilight. I don't know. <laughs> this is the fair trade I give you. Is it is it a fair true? You are giving me like free housing for like a, like while I'm there. So the I least guess. you can do is watch Twilight. The least I can do. One through four. Four? I think there's four. Are there four of them? <laughs> I think so. Shit, I regret that. <gasps> anyway. Oh, uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Alright. Well. Any any thoughts on the story so far? Who I was expecting I was expecting a love story, which there there is that. Mm. And of course I should know by now uh that Jimmy Tolkien loves his drama. Mm-hmm. And everything he writes is so beautiful. I can't believe these are all just like notes and that they put together because it's so there's so many fully fleshed stories. Thing is, like Baron and Luthien is one of his more fleshed out ones because he yeah. makes reference to it in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and like the idea of like things from like Gondolin, the Ring of Bera here, like all this was in like the Silmarillion was technically the thing he first started writing. Hmm. So it was kind of more complete than a lot of things. So it did come before. Lord of the Rings and like the Hobbit. Yes, this was okay. kind of his first foray into fantasy, and then he kind of built off it. Uh, he tried to get the Silmarillion published for so long because it was his. He's like, oh man, I love it. It's like a history. It's like all this, but it no really one's is. like, no one's publishing it because they're like, what? Are, it's a fake history. <laughs> yeah. No, and it was Published only after his like book. his fame from. Uh, the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit that yeah. publishers were willing to give yeah. it that chance. But by then he was dead. And so of it was course. down to his son to basically edit his concepts for the Silmarillion and Dang. give them to the publisher. So good. So cool. Yeah. Uh, but yes, thank you everyone for listening to our shit. Uh, as always, special thanks to Wool who did the cover art for our podcast. And my friend Jack Hook for uh, doing the uh, musical intro and outro. Oh, thank you for Ethan. Yes, and special thanks to Ethan, our supporter. Our, uh, supporter. Shout out to them. They've been very nice. You sponsored this us. podcast. You this spon- podcast is for you. Should we give them like the label of like executive producer or something? Yeah, heck yeah. Executive producer Ethan. Uh, if you would like to support this podcast, 
Do you know where you can, Paul? Anchor? Yeah. Anchor.fm slash Silly Marillion. Silly Marillion. The Silly Marillion. I think there's a the. The Silly Marillion. Okay. Uh, It'll be, we'll probably have a link to that as well. Yeah. In the the spot below. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Smash that fucking like button, guys. (laughs) Tweet us your Uh, thoughts. Yeah, Paul's a your... uh, good-looking geek. Yeah, good-looking geek, and Tori is Toriello with I think an underscore afterwards. Correct, Toriello underscore. And you can see all our cool thoughts on everything. Like oh about God, to angrily tweet last... that you haven't what seen Twilight. Fine, I don't. <laughs> I don't give a shit. What was the last thing I tweeted out? My last original tweet. Oh yeah, if you want to hear me talk about how Two Towers is probably the weakest of the Lord of the Rings films. Oh. Uh, is that a hot I'm... take? Yeah, apparently. Some people don't agree. But, like, it's true. And I'll probably argue that uh, a lot when I'm in L.A., so. <laughs> also, we will both be, well, Tori's always in L.A., but I will also be in L.A. this coming week next thursday uh i will be going to the uh we'll both be going to the big hobbit jamboree or whatever it's called uh, birthday in griffith park uh, yeah if you're there come say hi we'll sign we'll hi. sign your podcast if you want my terrible handwriting on something <laughs> come come find yeah give a signature over the audio wave <laughs> yeah uh so should be it yeah Ramble. Ramble. Yeah. Da da da. Da da da. <laughs> da, da, da. <laughs>